Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found pleasing before you, our rock and redeemer. In the name of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. As a chaplain, I am what is called a combat multiplier. So I don't carry a weapon. I've never trained on one. I'm not allowed to do that. Instead, what I am there to do is to help our soldiers to lay down the burdens that they carry. Every single one of us carries burdens in our lives, and they weigh us down. Our soldiers, I never have to worry about whether or not they're trained well enough to do the mission. We have the best trained military in the history of humanity. I have no worries there. However, often they carry with them all the things from home, all the worries, whether it's financial, whether it has to do with relationships, whether it has to do with illness. Those are the things that distract our soldiers. Those are the things that bother our armed forces, that distract them from what they are meant to do. We carry around with us all of those things. So I'm going to use this story from the Bible to show ways to help our soldiers, our regular everyday civilians to lay down burdens. In the story from 1 Samuel, it seems to be about a man named Elkanah. But it turns out the story really isn't about Elkanah because we find out that Elkanah is not the brightest tool in the shed. And I said that right. Bless his heart. He has two wives. He marries Hannah, whom he loves very, very much. As his first wife, she was very honored, but it turned out that Hannah could not have children. And so he married a second wife. Now in our culture, that would seem to be very insulting to Hannah, right? But in his culture, he would be the deadbeat if he didn't do that. He has a responsibility as the patriarch, the oldest living male, to support the family and to provide an heir to inherit this wonderful promised land, inheritance from God. If he doesn't do that, then he's not a good patriarch. He's not a good man. So he marries Peninnah, the second wife. Peninnah can have children. This is why he married her, is in order to produce an heir. So they would go up and worship together. And Hannah is carrying with her the fact that she cannot have children. And we see that Elkanah is a special man because he'll say, well, why can't you feel better? Aren't I worth to you at least 10 sons? And Elkanah just didn't get it. Because again, he marries a second wife to produce sons. So isn't Hannah worth at least 10 sons to Elkanah? So he's not helping the situation. So they go up to worship and the way that they would worship is they go up to the priest and the priest at Shiloh at this time was named Eli and they would bring their sacrifice and the priest would sacrifice the animal and then give some of it back to the family, offer some of it to the Lord, and then the family would split it up and then eat it, sort of like how we do communion. And so when they did that and Eli hands over the sacrifice to Elkanah, Elkanah turns to Hannah and gives her a double portion. And to Peninnah, he gives a single portion. Now to us, in our culture, it might seem like, well, he really does love Hannah. Or maybe she just has a really good appetite. Who knows? But in his culture, in their culture, he might as well have stood up Peninnah, his wife he married only to have children, and slapped her across the face in front of everybody. 
It was absolutely insulting. Because in their culture, the double portion goes to the heir. Peninnah is the mother of the heir. She should get the double portion, not Hannah. No matter how much Elkanah loves Hannah, she is not the mother of the heir. So Elkanah sinned against Peninnah. He hurt her. He cursed her. Have you ever felt cursed by someone? Or someone treated you poorly? Have you ever felt cursed in life? Where something just weighed on you, that you carried around that damage and that hurt? Peninnah reacted the same way that many of us do whenever we're hurt. She turns around to Hannah when Elkanah's not around, and she says, he may love you, but at least I can give him children. So Elkanah cursed Peninnah, but Peninnah did what we often do. She turned and cursed someone else. She sinned against Hannah and cursed her by doing that to her, by hurting her, by lashing out. We treat curses as though there's something where someone hurts us and then if we just take it off of us and hurt someone else with it, then we've removed it from us. But does that really work? It doesn't. All we've done is multiply the curse. We've made it worse. We've spread the pain. We've spread the hurt. Well, the story continues. See, Hannah could have made the choice to turn around and curse Peninnah back. She could have said, well, you may give him a hundred children, but he'll never love you the way he loves me. But she doesn't do that. Instead, she goes to the altar. She throws herself down, and she begins to pray to God. And she's praying, please just give me this dearest wish of my heart. Please give me a child. And as she's praying, and only her lips are moving, here comes Eli the priest. He sees her, and he rebukes her, calling her drunk. Now, in our culture, we often bow our head and pray silently. If we're really into the prayer, our lips might move. But in their culture, prayer was something that you did out loud. That if you were really and truly upset, you might even tear your outer garment. You might put ashes on your head. It was a way to show your internal lament. But that she was praying silently made it seem like she was drunk. And she says, no, 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 sir, that's not what's happening. I'm throwing myself before the Lord. I am praying so much for this deep, deep desire of my heart out of this pain I've experienced. And Eli is moved with compassion. And he says, may the Lord grant what you're asking. And so she gets up, she's happy, she leaves. And sure enough, a little while later, she becomes pregnant. And she gives birth to a baby boy. The greatest desire of her heart, all she has ever wanted, was this baby boy. And she had this son. So when it came time to go back and worship at Shiloh, she said, I just want to wait until he's weaned. You guys go without me. It'll be fine. So they go, and then eventually he's weaned, and then it comes time to go worship again. They go up to worship in front of Eli, and here is Hannah carrying this baby boy. She sees Eli the priest and she goes up to him and she says, hey, you remember me, I'm the woman you thought was drunk who wasn't, you know, but glad you can remember. And I prayed and God gave me what I wanted. Here you go. And hands over this child that she had wanted more than anything else. 
This is the child who in their culture, you know, we wean at about a year old. In their culture, they wean at two to three years old. So this is a child whose skin knees she has kissed. This is a child who's old enough to throw his arms around her neck and say, I love you, mama. And she hands the child over to Eli. Because what Eli didn't know is that when she was praying about what was in her heart and she was pouring herself out before the Lord, she had said, if you just give me a child, I will dedicate this child to God. I will make sure that every day he belongs to you. If you bless me, I will give out that blessing and I will share that blessing. And she hands the child to Eli. Now what Hannah didn't know is that Eli, as a priest, also has a responsibility as a patriarch to make sure that there's the next generation of priests to serve the people. But Eli's two sons were horrible. They weren't good people, and they were even worse priests. And God had told Eli, I'm cutting off your line. They're out of control. I don't trust them. They are not going to serve the people. You will not have an heir of your body. But then Hannah hands them this child a second chance to raise up a priest to serve God. And so Eli's given a second chance. Eli is blessed out of Hannah's blessing. And sure enough, that little baby boy is Samuel. One thirty-third of our Bible is Samuel. He is in the scriptures forever. All because Hannah treated her blessing the way we treat curses. And she treated her curse the way we treat blessings. See, in life, we're going to be cursed. Things are going to happen to us. We're going to be hurt. And what we do with that is important. If we pass that on to someone else, we're not getting rid of it. We're just spreading it. We're multiplying it. But a lot of times when we're blessed by God, we just hold on to that, put it on a shelf, and occasionally take it down and dust it off and say, oh, isn't this nice? But then we hoard it. We keep it to ourselves. We don't allow the blessing to spread. But in Hannah's case, she was cursed. And instead of allowing that curse to move past her, she took it straight to God. She brought it to the altar, laid it down, let it go, and was able to walk away. And when she let it go, there was now room in her life to receive God's blessing. But she didn't just hold on to that blessing. She gave it back to God. And then God blessed Eli. And out of that blessing, we got Samuel, and he blessed the Hebrew people. And then he blessed all the believers who followed. And the generations to come after us will be blessed by this story. All because when Hannah was cursed, she let it stop with her so that she could receive blessing. Now I'm going to give you an example of this. In military life, we often have to clean things. It's part of being in the army. You have to clean up after yourself. And one of the jobs is you have to clean the latrines. If you don't know what a latrine is, it's a restroom, if you're really lucky. <laughs> so in my case, it was a restroom. And though even at the time I was a captain, I still cleaned latrines. And so I'm on cleaning through, trying to, you know, be good chaplain and make sure I'm doing the worst job so that, you know, I'm supporting the, the soldiers. It's not because I'm great. It's because I'm trying to help them. And so I open up a stall door and I have noticed that someone had been carrying a curse. And they had thoroughly cursed 
this toilet. <laughs> and it was a curse. They had been carrying a deep burden in their lives. And so I had a choice to make, right? I could have backed away, pretend I didn't see it, or throw in the captain card and, and let someone else clean that, right? But I didn't want that curse to spread. It was bad enough that I had experienced that and seen that. So I flushed for Jesus. <laughs> I blessed that toilet. Now the great thing about it is that all the soldiers who come in after me will have no idea what I experienced and the curse I received when I saw that, the curse that the person who had done it had been under. They'll have no idea because the curse was erased from existence. They are blessed with what comes after. We can do that with all of the things in our lives. We can do what Hannah did. She had been thoroughly cursed. She'd been thoroughly hurt by Peninnah. And yet she took it straight to God and let it go. Now the great gift that is different for us versus Hannah is that Hannah felt like she could only let that go at Shiloh before the altar with the priest there, Eli. And now because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can lay our, our curses down wherever we go, wherever we are, at every moment, we can lay it down. We have unfettered access to the altar of God, all because of what Jesus has done. Moreover, we receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helps us in the process of letting those curses go. Because the truth is, is that we never know how very blessed we're going to be until we let go of the pain, the hurt, the curses that we carry. If our arms are full of nothing but curses, nothing but pain, it's hard to even imagine what blessings may come. I don't want my soldiers to be in the middle of the field trying to clear a lane of IEDs and be worried about paying bills at home. I want them to be able to focus on their mission. I don't want a soldier who's calling in a nine-line medevac to be replaying the breakup from the night before that they got via text and distracting them from the mission. We don't have to be distracted from our mission in life, our mission to serve God in whatever capacity that we're called to. We can lay down the curses we've been through and that we're carrying around in order to make room for the blessings. And the other thing to remember is that when we hear the story about Hannah, we hear the story about Samuel, when we think about our own lives, is that Hannah may never have been blessed the way she was if she hadn't been cursed the way she was. She might never have turned completely over to God in that moment if Peninnah had never twisted the knife. So though we may lament our curses, and that's fine, but if all we do is focus on them, then we'll never know what blessings are waiting for us, no matter what life we are leading, whether it's as military or civilian. All that matters is that we take the moment to go to the altar that we have before Christ, that we share what we're going through, and we make room for all the blessings that God has promised us. Please pray with me. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the story 
of Hannah. Lord, thank you for the story of Peninnah. Lord, we lament her pain and what it caused to have her to lash out at Hannah. But Lord, we celebrate that Hannah was able to turn that to you, to lay down her curse, to lift up her blessing, but then to share her blessing. It's meant to be shared so that you can multiply it in this world. Think how very differently our world would look if every single one of us were willing to lay down the hurt, to say, it cannot pass me, and then open our arms to the blessings that you have waiting and ready for us. We pray all of this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen.